0: Welcome to the Shell Harbour Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. As Pastor Shane said, uh, we are looking over the coming weeks um, at the series Jesus Is and looking at some of the things that Jesus, Jesus is. And today we're looking at um, where Jesus says in John 15 that Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you've got your Bibles there today, uh, why don't you open up to John Chapter 15, and um, just a little bit of little bit of background. This is a kind of a bit of an intensive kind of time for Jesus and the disciples. Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he's not going to be around, and so it's kind of that Last Supper kind of setting. and And it's I don't think Jesus is kind of just kind of come in thinking, oh, I might talk about this, I might talk about that, I might talk about this. No, he's been pretty strategic. And he's highlighting some things that his disciples need to grab a hold of and need to get in their heart for when Jesus is no longer going to be walking with them. And, and so we see in some of the earlier chapters of Jesus establishing his kingdom in, in chapter 13, we see where Jesus washes the disciples' feet saying that, you know what, my, my kingdom is not like the world. My kingdom is about you coming and serving people. And getting dirty and sacrificed, that's what my kingdom is about. That's how you transform the world around you is by serving, not lording over people like the world sees. Um, he talks about he talks about how, Jesus, how he's going to be, be betrayed. And then we go on in chapter 14 where he con- constantly talks about the way you're going to walk through this world. That you've got to just got to trust God. So much of our walk and, 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 you know what, the more I go through life, the more I realize that my days are just simply about God, I trust you. God, I trust you. We make things so complicated, God just wants us to trust him with our little things, with the big things, with wherever it is. And then he goes on to promise his disciples that, you know what, when I'm not around, you're going to have the Holy Spirit. And then we land in this passage in John chapter 15. If you've got it there, I'm just going to read from verse 1. He says, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He goes on again I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In the New Testament church, a vine was a very common image that was used. It was also a very um, integral part of first first century Jewish culture. They knew, they were very familiar with what a vine was. It was a very important part of the agriculture of the day and they knew how much work it went into actually maintaining the vine. They probably just sat around and had a glass of wine from the vine. Um, There's also a spiritual aspect to this vine. In the Old Testament, we see Israel, God's chosen people, referred to as the vine. And we haven't got time to go into all the passages there, but there's lots of references right through the Old Testament about Israel and the Jews being um, referred to as the vine. But now Jesus comes out and says, I am the true vine. And so the disciples are sitting around going, yeah, all right, we've got this vine thing, we know what you're talking about. But then he comes out, and says, well, these disciples are probably going, well, I thought Israel was... The vine, And now Jesus is saying, hold on a minute, I am the true vine. You know, from the very moment Jesus set foot on the planet, he began to establish what his kingdom looks like. And we don't have to look far to see that his kingdom is radically, radically different to all the other kingdoms that we are surrounded by. And if we just look at that word, kingdom... There's a dome over which there is a king. So we are part of God's kingdom. He is our king. He's, he's the one that looks over us. We are part of this dome, okay? And we are part of God's kingdom. But there's a whole heap of other kingdoms that we are surrounded by. And by him referring to I am the true vine indicates that there's a whole heap of other false vines that we can be created, we can be connected, we can potentially be connected to as well. You know, the Bible actually teaches us us that these other kingdoms that we are surrounded by are actually ruled by the enemy, actually ruled by Satan. If we go to Luke chapter 4, and you'll be familiar with Jesus being tempted by Satan. And just let me quickly read it to you. It says, Then the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all this will be yours. Jesus answered him and said, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord God, and him only you shall serve. First thing, Jesus doesn't deny that Satan has authority over all these different kingdoms. And a little bit of a side note, Jesus discards that type of power and authority as temptation and so the type of authority and power that rules over people and lords over people jesus discards that as being temptation you can take away that one and chew on it for the next six months or year or however long it takes and there's a number of other passages that talk about where where satan is described as the ruler of this world the god of this age It says in 2 Corinthians, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. It says in 1 John, Satan, the destroyer, comes to deceive the nations. It talks about in Revelations. And every government, every nation is founded on this precedent of placing their trust in someone other than Jesus Christ. Being connected to a different vine, other than the vine of Jesus Christ. We see in the Old Testament where God wanted where we're sorry, where Israel wanted a king. God's response is, you know what, you can't be connected to two different vines. Either I'm your king or someone else is going to be your king. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, Israel said to Samuel, Samuel was the leader over the, the Jewish people at that time. He wasn't their king, he was a leader. God still has leaders in place, right? Because there needs to be structure um, in communities. Israel said to him in 1 Samuel 8, verse 5, Israel said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. And so Israel is looking around at all these other nations, seeing them have kings over their nations. And at that particular time, God was their king, right? And they're saying, you know, we want to be like all the other nations. And Samuel goes away and he says, but when when they said, give us a king and lead us, this this, displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. And so, just to give you a bit of background, all the nations, all the governments that we are surrounded by are set up on this precedent that God is not their king, but someone else is. And so, Israel wanting a king equates to the fact that they are rejecting God and placing their trust in someone else. And so, you and I, we are part of God's kingdom. He is our king. He is our prime minister. He's our president. He's the one that we place all our hope. He's the one that we place all our trust, our future, our security, our peace, our joy, our everything is found in Jesus Christ being our vine when we are connected to Him as the vine. And so I think Jesus is saying here to his disciples, you know what, you've got to be aware of all the other kingdoms that you are surrounded by. You need to understand who is the ruler over those kingdoms. And you are called to be under one authority and one authority only, and that's the authority of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in John chapter 15, my father is the gardener. And you know what, our view of God is super, super important, right? Right? Because we're going to respond to God depending on how you actually see God. And so if we have an unhealthy view of who God is, then we're naturally going to respond to God in that way. What do we see out of this passage about my father being a gardener? We see that God is a very, very active gardener. And he's an active gardener. Why? So that you and I would produce fruit. And let me ask the question, which branch on the vine gets pruned? All of them. All of the branches on the vine get pruned or they get cut off. And it talks about the first branch that gets cut off um, is the healthy one. And you might be thinking, well, that's not real fair. If I'm healthy, I don't really want to be pruned. I don't really want to be stretched. I don't really want to be, you, you, you know, be uncomfortable. The healthy branch gets cut off. The healthy branch, sorry, gets pruned. And I think it's worth pausing on for a moment because there may be some of us today where God's doing something in your world and you're a little bit uncomfortable. Where God is stretching you. He's challenging you. The Holy Spirit has been challenging you in a certain area and and moving you in a slightly different direction. He's been challenging your opinions on some things, especially in the world in which we live at the moment. Our opinions, our thoughts, our beliefs are all getting challenged. And these are all areas where I think the gardener prunes off some branches. Why? So that we will actually produce more fruit. The branches that are actually producing fruit, it says that God, the gardener, actually cuts those branches off. Why? So that they'll produce more fruit. Don't be discouraged if you'll find yourself in a place at the moment where you're being stretched and pulled and, and, and challenged. Challenged. It's a, we need to understand that we have a God that ultimately wants us to discover the life that he has for us and more of that life, not just a, a few bits of fruit. He wants to keep pruning and producing more of that life that we will be connected. It also goes on to say that the unhealthy branch gets cut off. And I think this can happen a number of ways. This can happen, I think, uh, you know, by us just checking out, saying, you know, well, I'm, I've just had enough. And, and we can do that. And you know what? God respects that. He doesn't ultimately want that for us. But I think we can check out. We have free will. We have choice. And we can check out. We can say, I don't want anything to do with the vine. We can, we can do that. Um, and then there's other times where I think the gardener cuts off the unhealthy branches. And there are times where, you know what? We just get in a rut. We just drift along. And we can feel the reality of certain aspects of our life being cut off. And why does God do that again so that we would produce fruit? The important point we need to draw, I think, from this is asking the question, is who cuts the branches? The gardener. It's not the other branches. It's the gardener. How often do we as Christians think that God needs a bit of a hand doing some pruning? How often do we as Christians think that God needs a hand cutting off some branches? But no, no, it's the gardener's job. Our job is to stay connected, not to do the pruning. Our job is to stay connected. That's what Jesus is saying here in this passage, stay connected. Don't worry about the pruning. Don't worry about what's being cut and what's not getting cut. Stay connected. To me, Christians today, I think we get this so wrong sometimes where we think that God needs our help. And you know what? The, The... I guess the excuses I've heard over the years of people cutting themselves off from the vine, I don't know, it's pretty crazy, you know? had a broken arm and no one come to visit me. The music's too loud and and this and that. And we make up all these excuses of of reasons why we potentially cut ourselves off, off from the vine. And this is what Jesus is talking about in this passage. It's no longer... Israel, the Jews that are the vine, it's me, Jesus. If you look to Israel, if you look to people as being your source of life and joy and and everything, you're going to get disappointed, right? If we're connected to the true vine, the fruit that we're actually producing is love and joy and peace and patience and meekness and all these things we actually need to be in relationship with each other. Just ask ask my wife. You hang around with me long enough, you're going to need some patience. You're going to need some long-suffering. You're going to need some stuff from God. And so we get pruned. And we need to know that we can trust the gardener that he's pruning so that it will produce more life, it will produce more fruit in each of us. He then goes on to make a bit of a seemingly random statement. Verse 3, he says, You are already clean. I don't know about you, but it just kind of sticks out in the, in the middle of that passage. You are already clean. What's that about? And it's important to understand this, I think, in context of the image of a vine. That when you have connected yourself to the vine, it's like I was once living in this kingdom, and now I'm living in the kingdom of God. I was once doing life on my own, but now I've given authority to Jesus Christ. And now you have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. And Paul talks about this, that, that when we actually make a decision and say, Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to be connected to the vine, it says we're a new creation. We actually have the DNA of God in, inside of us, flowing through us. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. We have the DNA of God inside of us. And I guess there's many of us that potentially think that, God, you know what, I know you dwell inside me, um, but you know what, you, you still must be pretty disappointed with me, right? That sin I just can't shake, that attitude, that whatever it is, you must be kind of still disgusted in me. Like, I know you live in me, but there's still all this stuff, God. And I think many of us succumb to that lie. And, and we potentially come to God groveling and we often give the enemy power over that lie but jesus is saying here that no 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 if you're connected to me you are clean you have the dna of me you have the dna of jesus christ flowing through you there's a jesus says i want you to know that you are clean and there's so many lies that we often tell ourselves around that that if i'm getting pruned then it must be because i've done something wrong that it must be because I'm doing something wrong, it must be because I need this, need discipline, or this, or that, or whatever it might be. That you know, we often believe that you know, we're not worthy, we're an inconvenience to God. And this isn't the picture of God that we see here. We says, Jesus says, if you're connected to the vine, you are clean. And there's lots of other passages that will. Go along with that. That saying that we're whiter than snow. And there's so many different passages where God talks about how we're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We need to grab hold of that when those little lies come into our head that say you're not worthy, you're not this, you're this, you're that, you're whatever. We need to grab hold of those things and begin to speak that and allow God to shape our mind, allow God to do some pruning in our mind so that what so that we can produce more fruit. And like I said, the lie we often believe is that we're being pruned because I'm not good enough. That there's something wrong with me that if you were good enough, then you wouldn't need to be pruned. This is a total lie from the enemy. He's pruning us not to make us good enough, but so we can experience more of the life that he has for us. Did you grab that this morning? He's pruning us not to make us good enough, He's pruning us so that we can experience more of the life that he has for us. That's good news this morning, isn't it? Jesus goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, Jesus uses repetition here again. Why? Because he wants his disciples to get it. He wants us to get it. How important it is for us to stay connected to him. And so how do we stay connected? How do we stay connected? Well, we continue to develop and pray for a passion for Jesus Christ. We spend time with him. We read his word. We allow the spirit of God to access those areas of our life that we often hide. How do we stay connected? I think we actually need each other to help us in this journey as well. Um, I don't know, but I didn't plan on saying this, but I just think it's so powerful. We actually need to understand how important role we play in each other's life in helping us stay connected to one another. There's something super, super powerful about you meeting up with a bunch of guys or a bunch of girls throughout the week and saying, you know what? I give you guys permission. I've made a decision to follow Jesus. So if you see me doing something that doesn't line up with what you see Jesus to be, I want you to correct me on it. I want, you, I want to give you permission to speak into my life about that. I think we underestimate how powerful that is. About you having a couple of people alongside you, you know that are going to ask you the hard questions throughout the week. Because it's so easy to get entangled in everything else that's going on in the other kingdoms around us. It's so easy to, but we need each other to help us on this journey. Oh, maybe I'm just speaking to myself, but I know I need it. I know I need people around me asking me the, the tough questions throughout the week. Steve, how are you going with this? How are you going with that? How are you going? Have you, you found some time this week to just connect with God? Have you found some time through each day just to connect with God? We need to give each other permission to actually build those, cultivate those kind of relationships where there's that intimacy, where there's, where there's that... That intimate setting I see Jesus sitting around with his disciples and just having the hard conversations and the, and the real life conversations we need to develop that in our own life because it's so much more than what we just do here on a Sunday right the Christian journey is so much more than what we just see here on a Sunday it's our Monday and our Tuesday and our Wednesday and, and we don't want to be connected on a, on a Sunday and then walk out the door and suddenly we're connected to all these other stuff Uh, We want to keep each other accountable along the journey. And so we've got to ask ourselves the questions. Um, Be honest with ourselves. Take a step of humility and and, and say, well, ask the questions of our opinions and our belief systems. Do they line up with Jesus? This is how we stay connected to the vine. We've got to constantly ask ourselves, especially in today's climate. I don't know about you, but my opinions and my beliefs have all been challenged over the last couple of months or last 12 months or you know with even just the whole political side of things um i've been challenged in those areas and we've got to allow god and we've got to allow space for some of that stuff to kind of get thrown up in the air and let god put it back in a place where he wants to put it and so it's not just enough to say you know things like well jesus got angry in in the temple so it's okay for me to get angry every now and again I think we've got to go a little bit deeper than that. Why did Jesus get angry? Well, the temple had become a place that was exclusive. It goes on in that passage. We often look at the, the monetary value of that passage of Jesus getting angry. But Jesus actually says, my temple had become a place that was exclusive. And it was meant to be a place of prayer for all people. It's meant to be a place for everyone. And yet it had become somewhere that was Exclusive. That's why Jesus got angry. And so are we getting angry when sometimes the church becomes an exclusive place or we create an exclusive environment that's not inclusive of everyone? These are the kind of things I think staying connected is where God begins to do some little pruning. And you know what? I think even in today's climate, God uses this opportunity to highlight what his kingdom looks like. And I love that. That, uh, you know, I don't love everything that's going on in our world, but I love the fact it gives us an opportunity to paint the picture of what the kingdom looks like. That we get to come and love and serve and, 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 and you know walk alongside people we wouldn't normally walk alongside. And so how it works, I think, is, is this. God begins to do some pruning in our life okay, with the healthy branches. And then we you know go for a while and we produce some more fruit and then god begins to you know cut that branch again and then we begin to produce more fruit and it just keeps creating more life and more life and more life but more the more often than not we've just got to understand that jesus is creating more life he wants us to experience more of the life that he has for us and the fruit we produce are things like love and patience And forgiveness and peace and joy and meekness, humility. These are all the things that cannot be produced outside the vine. And this is what Jesus says, outside the vine, you can't produce this stuff. Only when you are connected to Jesus. And these are all the things, as I finish today, these are all the things that the world is void of, right? These are all the things the world is void of. And so when we respond in love in a situation where the world is responding in hate that's fruit when we respond in forgiveness instead of resentment that's fruit when we respond with patience in the shopping line when the world is firing up because there's not enough checkout chicks working when we respond in patience that's fruit The little everyday things we need to allow God and show that we are connected to the one true God. When we respond in humility, when the world is flexing its muscles, that's fruit. That's what the kingdom looks like. When we respond in peace, when the world is full of fear about where we're heading and the climate of our culture. When the world responds in fear but we respond in peace, that's the fruit that Jesus produces in our life Jesus says I'm the vine you, we are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit would you pray with me this morning church Father we thank you for moments in time where Father God you put your finger on things in our world You put your finger on things in our life. I thank you that you are our Father. You are the gardener, that you prune, Father God, areas of our life so that we will produce more fruit. Lord, I thank you that in this passage we see your heart for us, is that we would produce fruit, is that we would be alive, is that we would be, Father God, find peace and joy in all the things that you have for us. And Lord, this morning, we just surrender afresh to you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the vine, that Jesus, that your DNA flows through each one of us here this morning. Lord, we give you thanks and we give you honour. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to go and walk through this season, Jesus, that it will be you that we stay connected to. It will be you that brings truth in our life. It will be you that brings fruit, Father God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.